Hello, Daniel Barnett here, and welcome to Season 7, Episode 9 of Employment Law Matters, the number one rated podcast for business podcasts on the Apple Podcast Store. I'm Barrister Daniel Barnett, and I'm a barrister at Outer Temple Chambers practicing in employment law, and I'm the presenter of The Legal Hour on LBC Radio. This podcast is to bring you everything that I've learned over the last 30 years of practice on employment law, the tips, the tricks, the practical approach to take and help you, whether you're an employer, an HR professional, an employment lawyer, or a union representative to help you get to grips with the subject and hopefully avoid some of the mistakes that I've made over the years. This week's episode is my top five tips for managing a return from maternity leave. As this episode drops on the 21st of November 2023, I'm just presenting a module live of the Virtual Employment Law Academy and tomorrow morning I'm travelling up to Birmingham to present HR Secrets, my ongoing lecture tour. I'm travelling around the UK throughout November and giving a talk three hours in different cities on everything HR people need to know in 2024, on how HR can add value to your organisations and on dealing with conflict at work. HRSecretsTour.com. I'm in Birmingham tomorrow, the 22nd of November. Cardiff on Thursday, the 23rd of November. Next week, I'm in London on Monday. Uh, They're all in the afternoon. London on Monday, the 27th, and Exeter on the 30th of November. I also presented a live stream version yesterday and the recordings are available. If you can't make a in-person session, you can get hold of the recordings at www.hrsecretstour.com. We might not have uploaded, well, we won't have updated the website immediately in the next, in the few days after recording this because it will take time to get the videos edited, but in a week or so's time, you'll be able to get hold of the recordings through the website. Now let's move to my five top tips for returning from maternity leave. Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. We know that time passes quickly in the workplace and before you know it, the employee that you wished well as she headed off on maternity leave will be due to return from work. It's therefore important to think ahead and prepare early to help both employee and employer enjoy the process. Here are my five top tips for a smooth and happy transition. Number one, be clear on when maternity leave ends. Employees get a total of 52 weeks maternity leave, divided for some bizarre reason into ordinary maternity leave, which is the first 26 weeks, and additional maternity leave, which is the last 26 weeks. It's up to the employee to decide how much of this leave to take, apart from the minimum two weeks compulsory leave after the birth. It's up to the employee to decide when to return to work. In other words, there's no automatic maternity return date, and it's up to the employee to confirm her plans to the employer. But to avoid too much confusion and encourage communication, The Maternity and Parental Leave Regulations 1999 provide a framework of notice provisions. First of all, once an employee confirms her maternity leave start date, employers can work on the basis the return date will be 52 weeks later, unless the employee says she'll return earlier. 
The employer needs to confirm the return date, preferably in writing, to the employee within 28 days of receiving the start date. And after this return date is confirmed, 52 weeks later, if the employee wants to change it, she has to give notice to the employer as follows. To end her leave and return to work earlier, she's got to tell her employer at least eight weeks before the new end date. If she doesn't give enough notice, the employer can delay her return to reflect the correct eight-week period of notice, but not delay it beyond the end of the original 52 weeks. And the employer's not obliged to pay her if she returns earlier. To return to work later, although not beyond the end of additional maternity leave, she's got to tell the employer at least eight weeks before the old end date. Now, of course, in practice, it's very unlikely that employers will hold maternity returners to these strict notice provisions too strictly. It doesn't really set the right tone for a warm welcome back to the workplace, but they do help focus minds right from the start. And there are also a few factors that can delay a return date. First of all, annual leave. Employees accrue annual leave during their maternity leave. They might wish to tack this on to the end of their maternity leave to delay their return to work. In theory, employers can say no and require the employee to take the leave at another time. But in practice, do make sure you've got a good reason for doing so or it could leave the door open to maternity or sex discrimination claims. Another factor that can delay a return date is parental leave. Employees can choose to take parental leave immediately after their 52 weeks. And to do so, they should give 21 days notice before it starts. Employees are entitled to up to four weeks per year, 18 weeks in total, but the employer may postpone the leave by up to six months if it's likely to cause unreasonable disruption to the business. And the third factor which can delay a return date is sickness absence. The employee might be too sick to return, and in this case, she'll be regarded as having returned to work and absent on sick rather than maternity leave. She should be expected to follow the usual sickness absence procedures and the employer should treat her in exactly the same way as any other employee on sick leave. Top tip number one was be clear on when maternity leave ends. WorkNest is a professional services company delivering employment law, health and safety and HR advice. They're known for their personalised approach providing pragmatic commercial support as well as being a great place to work where integrity and inclusion are valued. Visit worknest.com to find out more. Top tip number two is keep in touch. Don't forget about the employee when she's on maternity leave. In this case, out of sight should not mean out of mind. If you can, try to agree with her before she goes on leave when and how you can contact her. For example, meeting face-to-face -face by telephone or email. Now, although employers are entitled under Regulation 12A of the 1999 regulations, I mentioned them before, to make reasonable contact with the employee during her leave, it's best to get the employee's input on what she thinks is reasonable because the law does take that into account. 
Most employees are happy to stay in touch. Most employees want to stay in touch. But inevitably, there will be some who are reluctant. And you do need to keep contact to a minimum in these cases. But do at least keep all employees on maternity leave updated on promotion opportunities or vacancies, as not to do so could amount to pregnancy and maternity discrimination. Essentially, the more that you're able to maintain your relationship with the employee, the better their transition to work will be, their transition back to work. The closer it gets to the end of maternity leave, the more you might want to use keeping in touch days to bring the employee up to speed and allow her to acclimatize back to the workplace. Keeping in touch days allow employees to carry out up to 10 days of paid work without bringing the maternity leave to an end or losing entitlement to SMP. But they can only take place if both employer and employee agree. So don't force a reluctant employee to come to a keeping in touch day. The type of work is up to the employer and employee to agree, like attending a team meeting. But be careful as a day on which any work is done will count as a whole keeping in touch day. So top tip number one, be clear on when maternity leave ends. Top tip number two, keep in touch. Top tip number three, take care with changes to roles. Regardless of the frequency of contact with the employee, you'll need to bear her needs in mind at all times. In particular, do be careful before you make any changes which may affect her role. Employees are entitled to return under the Maternity and Parental Leave Regulations 1999. They're entitled to return to the same job on no less favourable terms and conditions than they'd be on if they'd never been away, if they return during or at the end of the first 26 weeks, or there are some complicated rules to do with shared parental leave. Now, in a case called Blundell against the governing body of St. Andrew's Catholic Primary School, the same job was described by the Employment Appeal Tribunal as a work situation as near as possible to that she left. And it gave a long list of factors. I'm not going to bore you about what they are. But in the case, the Employment Appeal Tribunal found that a primary school teacher could be required to teach any class on her return from maternity leave, not just the reception class she taught before she left. The nature of her job was to teach at a primary school. Her capacity was a class teacher rather than a specific year group, and her place of work was at the school. It was the same job. If she returns after the first 26 weeks, but before the end of additional maternity leave, 52 weeks, and again, there are some complicated rules when shared parental leave comes in or parental leave is added. If she returns during additional maternity leave, she has a right to return to the same job. Or if this isn't reasonably practicable, so this is the extra bit, if this isn't reasonably practicable, a suitable alternative job. Now, to show it's not reasonably practicable for a woman to return to the same job between 26 and 52 weeks after she left, there has to be a genuine business reason. It could be restructuring, for example, but what it can't be is a simple preference for someone else to perform the role. Now, the suitable alternative job has to be on similar terms and conditions that aren't less favourable, including the capacity and the place where she's to be employed. So, for example, in a case called Kelly against the Secretary of State for Justice, the Employment Appeal Tribunal said offering 
an employee a prison officer role wasn't suitable because before she went on maternity leave, the woman had been working at a prison as a healthcare officer, not a prison officer. And that was despite her contractual job title being that of a prison officer. Now, if the employer doesn't allow the employee to return to the same job, or between weeks 26 and 52, a suitable alternative job, it risks claims including unfair dismissal. It's most likely to be automatically unfair, so there's no need for two years' service, or maternity or sex discrimination, unless this is due to a genuine redundancy situation. Even if the employee does return to work in these circumstances and starts in the new role, she might still be able to resign and claim constructive unfair dismissal or discrimination. And a good example of this expensive risk comes from the relatively high-profile employment tribunal case of Patterson against Morrison's Supermarkets. And in that case, changes to the employee's role following a restructure of her department when she was on maternity leave led her to claim constructive dismissal and sex discrimination. She'd previously had a part-time role. On return, she was expected to work full-time. And when she complained, she was told to prioritise things a bit better and improve her mindset. Now, perhaps unsurprisingly, this treatment didn't go down well with the Employment Tribunal, which upheld her claims and awarded her just over £60,000. A brief word on redundancy. If an employer makes an employee's role redundant while they're on maternity leave, it will need to give her priority when offering alternative roles. The employee has to be offered any suitable alternative vacancy which exists within the employer or an associated employer, that's a parent or a subsidiary or a sister company, without requiring her to apply or go through any selection process, even if there are better candidates. The employee on maternity leave whose role is redundant trumps all others for any suitable alternative employment. Now, currently, this protection ends once the employee's maternity leave finishes. So if the restructuring happens the day after the employee comes back, she no longer has the right to preferential treatment. But do take care because on the 24th of May 2023, the Protection from Redundancy Pregnancy and Family Leave Act 2023 received royal assent and it gives the government the power to make regulations extending redundancy protection for those on maternity leave and the government has said it intends to extend this period when a woman who has returned from maternity leave trumps anybody else for suitable alternative employment in the event of redundancy, the government intends to extend this period for six months after the date that the woman returns from maternity leave. It hasn't yet announced the date that these regulations will be laid and come into force. Top tip number one was be clear on when maternity leave ends. Tip number two, keep in touch. Tip number three, take care with changes to roles. Watershed acts exclusively for companies giving pragmatic and fair advice on complex employment law issues. It's been developing long-term client relationships for over 50 years. Watershed is looking for solicitors to join them. If you are an ambitious individual with outstanding knowledge, then visit watershed.law contact. 
That's watershed.law slash contact. Top tip number four is bring an open mind to flexible working requests. All employees have the right to request flexible working as long as they have at least 26 weeks service. Now, in July 2023, the Employment Relations Flexible Working Act received royal assent, and that removes potentially that six-month rule, giving employees the right to request flexible working as a day one right. But it's not come into force yet, and the indications are that it will come into force in July 2024 although we don't have a firm date yet, meaning that this is still a 26-week service requirement. It's common for maternity returners, maternity returners, that's a tongue twister, to make a request for flexible working, particularly requests to work part-time or from home. And although it's a right to request rather than an automatic right to be allowed to work flexibly, employers do need to take care handling them. You should comply with the ACAS code of practice on flexible working requests, which requires that requests are handled in a reasonable manner. And there's also some supporting ACAS guidance. I won't read out what the ACAS guidance says, but if following consultation with the employee, the facts suggest that you won't be able to accommodate her request make sure you can rely on one or more of the eight formal specified business reasons to refuse it, as set out under Section 80G of the Employment Rights Act 1996. The most common reasons are that allowing the maternity returner to work flexibly would have a, quote, detrimental effect on ability to meet customer demand, end quote, or, quote, an inability to reorganise work among existing staff. End quote. But even if you can't accommodate her specific request, be open to other options for how she might work flexibly. Because a refusal to allow part-time work for a mother returning to work can amount to indirect sex discrimination. That's because women are statistically more likely than men to have had greater childcare responsibilities and are therefore usually found to be disadvantaged by a requirement to work full-time or under an inflexible shift pattern. And top tip number five to finish off is provide a supportive working environment. Some employees can't wait to get back to work after maternity leave and are quick to adapt. But for others, it's a pretty daunting experience and it can take some time to get back into the swing of things and adjust to the work and motherhood juggling act. There are some steps an employer can take to help with this. First of all, have a return to work meeting with the employee to welcome them back. It's a great opportunity to ask questions and make sure you're providing all you need for them to do their job. Second, offer support with breastfeeding. Employers have got a duty to breastfeeding employees to provide them with suitable facilities to rest and take meal breaks. Toilets are not suitable. Although employers aren't legally required to provide facilities for the actual act of breastfeeding or expressing, and employers aren't legally required to provide paid breaks for this purpose, a tribunal has found that the failure to provide a private space for an employee to express breast milk, forcing her to express in the toilets or in her car, was harassment related to sex. That's the case of Miller 
against MFG Academies Trust. To avoid such claims, it is good practice to treat a request to take breaks to breastfeed or express in a similar manner to any other flexible working request. So make sure you provide a considered and objectively reasonable response. And another step employers can take is check that other health and safety needs are met. For example, carry out a workstation risk assessment and provide any required equipment. Include a manual handling check or retraining if this is relevant to their roles. But overall, the most important factors in providing a supportive environment are to keep the channels of communication open, avoid making more than minor changes to the role, and give the returning employee the chance to settle in. Not only will this help with retention, but it also avoids the potentially expensive pitfalls of not doing so. So the five top tips for managing return from maternity leave, just to summarise, number one, be clear on when maternity leave ends. Number two, keep in touch during maternity leave. Number three, take care with changes to roles. Number four, bring an open mind to flexible working requests. And number five, provide a supportive working environment when the woman returns to work. Sorry to interrupt, the podcast will be back in just a moment. If you'd like to be one of the sponsors in next season's podcast, do get in touch. Employment Law Matters is ranked as a number one podcast. It has 20,000 downloads a month, and each episode attracts an average of 3,200 listens. There are two sponsors for each season, one law firm and one other organisation. Each sponsor gets a 30-second slot, is credited in the show notes, and is promoted in emails to my mailing list of 35,000 HR professionals and employment lawyers. Season 8 will begin in the spring of 2024 with at least 10 new episodes publishing weekly do visit danielbarnett.com slash sponsor podcast danielbarnett.com slash sponsor podcast and now back to the episode that's it for this episode of Employment Law Matters. I'm Barrister Daniel Barnett. Do remember you still do have time to join me in a few cities on the HR Secrets Tour. This November, www.hrsecretstour.com. And this episode's dropping on the 21st of November. In a few days' time, you'll be able to get hold of the recordings of that tour uh, because we recorded the live stream, which I did yesterday. It's Got great content. Have a look. HRSecretsTour.com. And thank you for listening. Next week's episode, the final episode in season seven, is on what is malingering and how do you spot it. I'm back next Tuesday with that episode. Meanwhile, stay safe. Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.